Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back. Sports to the Max. Joining us on the John Schuster Caldwell Banker Hotline, the Hall of Famer, Bert Blyle, Bert Behome Blylevin. Remember, that that was uh, that was an ESPN thing, right? That was Chris Berman? Yes, that was Chris Berman, Mike. How you doing? Good, man. I miss you, though. Well, thank you. I miss you, too. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I miss you up here, and I miss you sitting in the dugout with you and all that stuff. But we we got some other things we got to talk about right now, Bert. What the heck? Uh, let, let me ask you this: you, you you pitched for a long time, you've coached, you've done it all. Uh, what what is the you know? We, we, Wes Johnson's leaving uh, tomorrow. Uh, today was his last game. W- what is it expected from a pitching coach, and and how important is he to the team, or does it vary a great deal from team to team based on how how they delve up the responsibility? Well, you know what? I, I hate to see Wes go. Uh, it mm-hmm. was a decision I know that, uh, you know, was tough to make, I believe, for him. But yep. going to LSU where he's back at the college level where I think, uh, you know, he feels very comfortable. I understand that, you know, the family uh, issue was also there. Uh, he put God and, and uh, his God first, his family second, and baseball third. And I think, uh, you know, with the re- article that I read, I did not talk to Wes. I will uh, in time uh, have his number. I'll congratulate him because it's a, it's something that uh, I think was close to his heart uh, that uh, he wanted to get back into the college level. I think uh, he had to look at the financial part too and also family. So um, he did a great job while he was in a twins uniform. Uh, I think we have to think of that and hopefully the new pitching coach, whoever that might be, uh, you know, does as well as Wes Johnson did. Well, what does a pitching coach do on a daily basis? Describe how it works. You can't describe what a pitching coach can do to make you better. Uh, You know, it has has to be positive, everything, because, you know, baseball basically might can be a negative game. Yeah. You know, like like say, you know, what Chris Archer went through today, you know, walking seven in four innings or eight, whatever it was, but – it was just a bad outing. Well, you need a pitching coach to say, hey, you know what? Let's go back to square one. My first pitching coach was Marv Grissom. I think I was able to pitch for 22 years because I listened to him, and he changed a couple things on my delivery when I was 19 years old, throwing across my body. He opened me up. He brought a folding chair down and said, you've got to hit to the left of this folding chair. Because I was throwing the baseball like a javelin thrower. I was landing on my heel, and I was 19. I had a strong arm, but if I did not correct my delivery, I probably would not have been able to pitch as long as I did. And, you know, I did ask him when he put that folding chair where my foot was landing. I said, well, Marv, what happened? Mr. Grissom, I said, what happens if I land on that chair? He said, well, then you'll break your damn neck, won't you? So he opened, <laughs> Figure it out, son, huh? Me, that's, that's old school. You know, he opened me up to where my delivery, my chest, and my right arm was going toward the catcher's glove rather than down the third baseline. So just little things like that. I, You know, through 22 years, I had a lot of different pitching coaches, and they were all positive. I can think of my last one. I had Marcel Latchman with the Angels. Uh, he was such a good pitching coach. And it's it's – 
that's guys, you know, there's now there's 13, but back then there were maybe nine, 10 guys on a staff and the pitching coach needs to know the personality of every different pitcher he has. And with guys going up and down the communication you have to have with them, if they get sent down, what do we think you need to work on to stay up here on a regular basis? I myself, I was very fortunate to have not only a great pitching coach, I had, I had guys like Jim Perry, Jim Cott, Louis Tion, Dave Boswell, huh. all guys that kind of mentored me when I first came up. So it's not only the pitching coach that can help you. It's uh, Sonny Grays now that is a veteran on the ball club, uh, the the Bundys that can help, you know, these young kids get through these tough times you're going to have. You're going to have bad outings. That's how you come back from that. So, so – what would concern you the most about changing pitching coaches right now? I don't. I don't think there's going to be a concern. Uh, I think the players are your major league players. Uh, you should know what you have to do. You know you need to work out. You need to run. You need to control. You know the fastball. You need to attack the strike zone. You be, need to be aggressive on the mound. Uh, I don't think you need a pitching coach to tell you that. It's just that sometimes now with the videos and all that stuff. You can go in a back room without a pitching coach and look at yourself, your delivery, and say, you know, maybe I should try to do this. You have to communicate with the other pitchers, too, on your ball club because sometimes, like Frank Viola, for example, he was my best friend, you know, when I was with the Twins the second time around, as Cotton Perry and Tion Basel were, Ron Paranowski, Stan Williams. You you pick their brains, and you see, well, how did they be so – how were they so successful – and what can I implement that into my, say, pitching routine? Okay, so so the, the it looks like it's not the starters, it's the relievers right now for the Twins. Uh, Emilio Pagan struggles today. They they had the you know they had a bad error in the eighth inning that tied it up, and then the, the walk off home run. Uh, from what you see, do, do do you go out and get a couple of, of relievers uh, via trade? What what do you do here to shore that up? Well, you know what, Mike, the big thing, I'm not a firm believer in a 100-pitch count. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, starters, starters need to go deeper in the ballgame. Extend them to start with, and you get a better bullpen, right? Well, amen. You you can't, you, you know, guys are just getting overused out there. Duffy had a great outing today. I'm sure they thought, let's try one more, but then I don't know how many pitches he threw in the two or three days prior to his great outing today. So, you know, it's managing the bullpen is probably the hardest thing, I think, for any pitching coach. Your starters, hey, if they can go six or seven, like you just mentioned, the bullpen's going to be a lot better. Do you, uh, are there many starters that you, that you can acquire that are good relievers or not? Do, do most, are most starters have a tough time converting to being a reliever? Uh, I think most of the guys in the minor leagues, to get to the big leagues, you probably have to be a starter. Mm-hmm. I know in my era, you have to be a starter. You know, when I came up, uh, we had an eight or nine man pitching staff of four starters. You know, two guys that were long men out of the bullpen waiting for one of the starters to break down. Yep. And then you maybe had, you know, Stan Williams and Ron Paranowski as, as the setup and close up closers. But uh, it's a little different today. You know, you're trying to keep everybody healthy out there that's the main thing um you know and not overuse them but because starters only now today go four or five innings you 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 expect four or five innings out of you know those other 
seven to nine players out there, and that's tough night after night. Bert Blylevin, our guest, do you believe that you, a closer is the easiest way to run your relief staff, a defined closer as opposed to a closer by committee? I mean, I mean, you know, your last time here, you had uh, term, term, terminator and, and Jeff Reardon, uh, and, 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 you know, you saw Aguilera, you felt like it was lights out, and, and Nathan, uh, do you believe that's important or not? Oh, very important. You know, I, I think everybody in that bullpen needs to know what role they have. And I think with the way that the starters are going less innings, everybody is put into different roles that they may not feel comfortable with. You know, so uh, do they have a closer right now, the Twins? I don't know if they do or not. He's kind of closer by committee, and also the score scoreboard dictates who's come, who, who comes in. Yeah, and, and and they could be fine, but they got a closer named Taylor Rogers. <laughs> That's doing okay in San Diego, I well, guess, if they yeah. uh, stayed with him. But but and, and understanding, there's a lot of reasons why they treated him, etc. Um, two other topics I want to go over for as long as we got you on the line. What will it be like uh, when when Jim Cott and Tony Oliva step up to give their speech at the Hall of Fame? What what is that like for a baseball player? Uh, I'm so excited for them. You know, it took me 14 years. Uh, I'm so excited for them. You know, it took me 14 years to get into the Hall of Fame, and my numbers didn't change. Uh, you know, taking these guys a lot longer. Tony Oliva, I think one of the most feared hitters in the American League throughout his tenure. Uh, sad that his, you know, knee gave out and he had so many different surgeries. But I think you ask anybody at the Hall of Fame, with the game on the line, you know, who would you not want to face? And I guarantee you, of the five guys they might name, Tony Oliva's name would be in there. Yep. For Jim Cott, well overdue, a 283 wins, all the Gold Gloves, the you know long tenure he had, and he should he finally getting into the Hall of Fame as a as a player. He probably should have been in a long time ago as a broadcaster. Sure. He, you know he took uh, not only his playing career into the booth, he did such a great job, and he still does. Yeah, for sure. And when you, but when you step up there and you realize, you know, behind you, there's the commissioner and the greats of the great, is it nerve wracking? How did you feel? I felt comfortable because my mother was there. Ah. My, my father had passed. Yep. Um, I, I got my wife, Gail, and my mother some roses, and they were sitting in that front row, some flowers. And uh, I, I basically spoke to them as I'm sure Tony will speak to his family members and also Jim Cott. What's it like when you look around and see the best in the world around you and know that you're on that team? Well, first of all, do I really belong here? You know, and is then, that what uh, you think? You know, after, oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. You know, you're talking about some of the greats of the game. I know when I first came up, I, I met the team back in 1970. I met them in Boston uh, at Fenway Park, and I remember my first day in a big league uniform, walking out and looking at that Fenway Park and thinking. Babe Ruth played here. Dick Williams played here. <laughs> the greats of the game played here. You know, Mantle hit in this stadium. And you just, you know, you were just overwhelmed by, you know, the excitement of not only being the big leagues, but such a great ballpark in Fenway Park. And it's still the same as it was uh, back in 1970 when I came up. You covered some ground last week when you were in town, including playing some, some, some memorable golf. I ran this on the news last week, and generally speaking, I try to verify everything. And I, I gave you a very liberal um, benefit of the doubt a picture that was sent to me from Eric Curry. Uh, and it was a picture of you <laughs> circling yourself with a hole in one. And, and I said on the news, I'd, I would like to see some video or at least one more witness, but I'll go with this. 
<laughs> what what happened? You got you honestly got a hole in one? There was a doctor friend there too. Okay, so we, had, we had two witnesses there, <laughs> and uh, no, it, it uh, yeah, this is my second uh, lifetime ho- hole in one. Uh, I'm glad I did it in front of Eric Curry because I was one up on him. And we play a little game, no, not for money. We just play a little. No, no, just for know, fun. Yep. Yeah, just who who wins certain holes, and uh, I was up a couple. Then I then he, he birdied a hole, and then we came to that par three on uh, number seven, and uh, it went right at the darn pin. It was over a trap. I didn't see it go in, but we thought, and Eric ran over there, and he was more upset than excited for me because now <laughs> I was up by two. So it it uh, and I ended up beating them by five. I just if Eric, Eric's listening, you're you're easy, Eric. Yep. Always, but uh, no, it was my second career hole, hole in one. It took me 15 years to get my second. Now, uh, now did he and, see uh, it go in? Did you see it? Or did he just think, boy, that might have because I don't see it. Well, we all three thought it's right at the pen. Yeah, but you don't know, you know. So once uh, once we got the card up there, and Eric actually ran out before I did, and I brought my putter because I I thought you know it probably. You know, maybe it went past the hole, but yeah. the darn thing was right in right in the cup. So Just like you planned it, yeah. you got to be lucky. got yeah. to be lucky. Now, now, you also played a round of golf with uh, Tommy Kramer and Governor Ventura. What on earth yeah. was that like? Well, the, the hole-in-one was at... Uh, at uh, Olympic Hills, oh, right? Come on. Olympic Hills, yeah. yes. Beautiful golf course. And then the next day, I got to play TPC, which is just as beautiful, uh, along with uh, Tommy Kramer and uh and jesse the body the governor yep. ventura uh, i had met him in the past and i'd met tommy about a year ago and two great gentlemen and it was an honor to play with him <laughs> and a guy named buddy becker uh had his i had know his buddy yeah there, davis yeah i know buddy he yeah. had a son yeah he had a son davis yep. out there and uh, we just had a great time uh it took us about six hours to play because every hole jesse ventura held court so <laughs> You know, <laughs> what what kind of stuff was time. he was he given the state oh, of the state was you, it politics was it, it golf was it what oh uh, it was everything everything in life jesse's such a good man and uh, i i've always admired him and as i did have uh, tommy kramer and uh, uh we just had a great time just beautiful beautiful day the weather was warm it was beautiful and and tommy you basically sat in agreement with jesse or does he get does he pontificate as well I'm sorry. What was that? I said, did, does Tommy ever hold quarters? He just willing to listen to Jesse. Oh, he, I think we all listen to Jesse. <laughs> yes, Jesse. Jesse was uh, in charge. Well, you guys didn't have any laughs then, did you? Oh, we we laughed every hole. <laughs> it wasn't really golf. It was just getting to you know just laugh and reminisce. And I I remember Jesse way back when when I was uh, there in Minnesota. We were doing a Make a Wish. Uh, so uh, we it was a fundraiser for Make a Wish, and I was sitting at a table, and just so happened in the center of the table there was a little, uh, little jar that had a couple goldfish in it, and I bet everybody a hundred dollars on my at my table that if I swallow a goldfish, will everybody donate a hundred dollars to Make a Wish Foundation? Sure, so everybody yeah. agreed. There might have been six or seven people there, and Jesse was at the table behind me, and he heard it, and of course he said, "Hey, you." Bert, he said, if you eat two goldfish, I'll throw out a 500. Of course, I swallowed two goldfish. So Did you really? We raised some good money for, uh, for Make-A-Wish. And he paid up, right? 
Yes, he did. Yes, he, he would would always pay up. How'd the goldfish end up doing? Uh, I uh, <laughs> I think they're still in there. <laughs> I think so too. Swimming around. Yeah, <laughs> so around. They're doing something, man. So, hey, Bert, always appreciate it, buddy. Good to visit with hey, you. Mike, I miss Mike, you, Mike. They're they're in there with the night crawlers, right? Too, so. <laughs> I okay. bet they are, man. We'll put a hook down there, see what we can do. <laughs> Next time I you see your proctologist. No. <laughs> All right, buddy. Good to talk to you. Thank you, Mike. Best of the twins and everybody up there in Minnesota. You, area. you got it. Burt Blylove and the one and only the Hall of Famer on WCCO. He was talking about Jesse, of course, Jesse, professional wrestler. I haven't talked to Chris Tubbs since, since they had the, the big showdown, the SmackDown here. Uh, at uh, at Target uh, Center, and I got to tell you, there was a point in time there where I was incredibly uh, concerned for a local. Chris knows more about uh, wrestling than I do, but I, I got to balance this off him because I, I was just so concerned for his safety and his health. And uh, I wondered what protocols they have in place. Um, you know, when something goes awry inside or outside the ring, I'm going to ask him about that because this is a very specific, but it, it was a really, really scary situation. And I'll, I'll see if I can get some clarification from him when we come back. Chris Tubbs, I haven't talked to you for a bit. A couple weeks ago, they had the SmackDown here at Target Center. It made its way. And uh, one of the feature pieces was Mike Rollis. And Mike's an Edina mm-hmm. kid, played for the Gophers. We had him on with Pete and Jerry and I recently. I've known Mike and his family for years. And he gets into it pretty good in this uh, in this match. And I, I don't remember who he was up against. I don't know that I saw it because I was watching it while I was on, on the radio. And I, I didn't see the, you know, didn't hear the, the play-by-play. Uh, but at one point in time, he's thrown out of the ring. And he's laying there. And he looks just dazed. Um, and no one is going in to give him medical attention or to check to make sure that he's okay. And I'm thinking, at what point does somebody step in here and say, hey, give me some smelling salts. Let's see, let's see how yeah. he's doing. It never happened. Um, now, he was able to, to get back up, not just to his feet, but he actually was able to get back in the ring and win the match. But but I worried for his safety, and I thought, well, what did they do when he's, he's laying there? If it's a serious injury, Maxie, they've got a ringside doctor that will come. and There is a ringside doctor at yeah, all these? Yeah, there is a ringside doctor that is there in case it's more than just your typical selling, you know, trying to, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm really hurt, days, whatever. Uh, if it's really bad, what they'll do, if if it's something that they need to end the match or if it's bad enough – You'll see them hold up an X, and if you see an X being held up, that means that it's a legit injury that the individual can't can't continue. Um, I, are, are you suggesting to me that he may not have been injured that that he was just playing the role? I'm I'm going to go out on a limb and say that Madcap Moss. It's Madcap. Yeah, that's Madcap it. I said Mike Cross. I meant Madcap. I don't Oops, know who sorry, Mike is. Break, yeah. Breaking kayfabe. Yeah. Sorry, breaking kayfabe. Oh man. Um. Yeah, he he may have been uh, embellishing the beating at the hands. Well, of, I guess of Happy Corbin is that who it was? Happy I think, Corbin. I, I, yeah. I was. They they've been going at it for months, and WWE's not creative enough to give us something new. And I was actually like being delayed on my way back from LA, so I'm guess I'm guessing it was Baron Corbin. Who, it looked uh, a little bit like Baron Von Roschke's grandson. You know, that's oh, kind of the look he had. Yeah, kind of a tall, gangly guy bald, with a bald yeah. head. Yeah, it's. That's Baron Corbin. Well, I was just worried for Mike's health and uh, Madcap. I mean, it's good to hear it's good to hear that that there is a chance that he was never really injured <laughs> because he did come back, get back in the ring, bounced around just fine, and and and, and threw uh, 
What, what, uh, what's his name? Baron Corbin? Baron Corbin, yes. Yeah. But uh, I, 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 I think that just shows the perseverance that he was taught at the University of Minnesota. There you go. You know, yeah, there you go. Resiliency. There, it, it, it doesn't matter if he's hurt or not. He was going to get back on his feet and win that match. He's going to fight for the people of Minnesota. <laughs> Skyuma. Oh, whew, I feel so much better now. I was worried about Madcap for the last couple of weeks. I wanted to bring this to your attention. You can sleep now, Max. Yes. When we come back, Theo John, what did he do? I played at Champlain Park, then Marquette, and then, oh, yeah. The last year he spent with Duke and Mike Krzyzewski, and now he's eyeing a career in the NBA and professional basketball. He is our guest next on Sports to the Max. Welcome back. Bringing you the best guests we can, talking about the most relevant topics. That's what we do every night here. Joining us right now, Theo John uh, from Champlain Park High School to Marquette University to Duke, and now preparing for a professional career. He joins us on the John Schuster Caldwell Banker Hotline. Theo, thank you for joining us. Hey, how you doing? Thank you for having me. Take me back, you Champlain Park, you and McKinley Wright. Uh, that that those were the days, as they say. You guys put on a show there for quite some time, Theo. No, definitely, definitely. Those was, was a lot of say the good old days. You know, me and McKinley got a lot of memories and a lot of Champlain Park prior was going with that. Now, now the, the two things that have entered into college sports in a big way are NIL and transfer portal. So you go to Marquette and you're well-intentioned to play throughout and who'd have thought COVID comes in, grad transfer option comes in, and all of a sudden you get a call one day from an assistant coach that you knew from your days in Marquette and it's, and, and it's Duke reaching out to you saying, uh, hey man, you got one year of eligibility left, you, you're in the portal, if, if you want in, we, we want you. Tell me what that was like to have Duke call you. Man, it was crazy. I mean, it was a surreal experience. I mean, everybody dreams of getting that call from Coach K, whether they uh, admit it or not. And, you know, to be able to have that, and like you said, COVID uh, ended up being a backhand blessing. Um, you know, just being able to be down there, uh, be on the coach and his staff and, you know, learn and be in a winning program and be a part of uh, what Coach K is, dynasty that he's built. So, so can you express, you go there last summer and you start to work out and train uh, with the Duke players and uh, I say a game face before you win, et cetera, but, but can you explain the culture of Duke? What is it? When you get there, what happens to you? What, what, what does he create? Yeah, well, I mean, it's a, it's a culture of excellence. And, you know, it's a winning program. Um, they take pride in the details and just being good people. And, you know, they, I mean, coach really leads by example with that, just instilling being a people person and, knowing where the value is and the value is in the people that uh, I mean, you're working with. So, I mean, just being able to build those relationships, uh, it was fun. And I learned a lot, like I said. So, so you go there and it's his last year and you know it's his last year. How much pressure do you feel as players to try to get him out on top? Uh, yeah, I mean, we, we, we dealt with a tremendous amount of pressure. But, you know, um, that's, that's what the high-level competitors want. And that's what they ask for. And, you know, that's what we got. I mean, we able to make a deep run and make it to the Final Four. Um, and we had a lot of challenging games in between that. So it was it was a fun experience. And, you know, to be able to send Coach out the way we did, um, I feel like we're all pretty proud of that. What did he tell you in the locker room after his final game? What was that like to be in there? Uh, you know, it was very emotional. Um, but that's what, that's what Coach mentioned on. He was like, Listen. At the end of the day, I want to be in the locker room with trails of happiness, or tears of happiness, or tears of sadness. And you know, um, that's that's how you really be able to judge that you gave it your all. And you know, that's what we did. We we left it all out on the floor, and things didn't end up turning out exactly how we wanted. But I mean, we still had a hell of a season. So. And what does he teach you specifically about basketball that separates him? Does he just understand the flow of the game? Is it what? I mean, it's. 
yes, that and everything in between. He, uh, he's, I mean, his greatness. I mean, the Coach K, he has the name and the weight of the name for a reason. I mean, whether it be shot mechanics to just basically running the offense or running the defense. I mean, his attention to detail and his thoroughness um, and his dedication to the game is just on another level. So being able to just learn from him and watch him and see how he works, uh, you're, you're going to learn something even if you're not trying to. Theo John is our guest. Theo, it, it, we were talking about this earlier, the transfer portal got you to Duke and this, the NIL. And and now I'm I'm sure you are too hearing hearing the stories of of what kids are able to do financially uh, when they transfer and go to places. Did did you guys have nil? Yeah, it was in place. It was legal. But were you able to take advantage of that at Duke? Was there much there? What was that like? Uh, yeah. So I mean, nil. I was uh, able to be there for the first year of it. Um, it was my last year of college, and you know, it was definitely feeling out a year. I feel like uh, some people, you know, felt like they hit jackpots where others, I mean, didn't really get much. But uh, NIL, it's, it's a great opportunity for the young athletes that are now in college. Um, it be, it's able for them to be able to put, put food on the plate. And, you know, they had a lot of opportunities and a lot of good uh, program run resources. But now to be able to have some money in their pocket, they're able to take care of their family, take care of um, a lot of the stuff that's not offered off the court. So I'm really happy for the young guys and, I mean, I'm excited to see where it goes. It sounds like now it's kicked in. You mentioned first year is kind of feeling out. Were there many opportunities for Duke basketball players, given your high profile? Uh, yeah, so our our main focus was sending out coach the right way. Okay. Um, you know, we kind of knew in the back end of things, if we performed and we uh, prepared at a high level, that money and all that extra stuff is going to come. So we, we were focused in on the opportunity, and we saw – like the experience in itself was worth, I mean, any paycheck someone could write me. So being able to focus on that and be able to say and tell my kids one day that I put everything into that with no distractions, I mean, I'm I'm happy to say that, even though as far as putting money in my pocket wasn't wasn't the best. The Timberwolves select a Duke player in the first round. One more. Tell us about him because I talked to him the other day and he sure spoke highly of you. Uh, yeah, Dale, I mean, he's, He's a hell of a competitor. I mean, he's going to give it your all. He's going to um, make sure he's he's ready for the season, and I'm really excited for him. I know he's eager to learn, eager eager to get out in Minneapolis and explore a little bit. Um, and, yeah, he's he's going to bring a lot to the team, and I'm really excited for him. I'm really happy for him, and it's it's a lot of hard work that's gone behind that piece. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited. What does he do well? What's his, what's his style? You know, I mean, he's, he's a leader and a competitor, and, uh, I mean, he's – all-around good player, good shooter, great defender, um, sees the court amazingly. And, I mean, if you watch any Duke game, there's at least three or four highlights in there of him um, being great. And, you know, I'm, I'm really excited for him. And to be able to be on this next stage that all of us dream of is, I mean, a dream come true for him. And being able to watch it is just amazing. Speaking of which, what is next for Theo John right now? Yeah, so um, – Right now, I was trying to figure that out. You know, I'm I'm fighting to make an NBA roster. Um, I know me and my agent, we've been exploring a lot of a lot of different options, and uh, summer league is coming up. Um, I was supposed to be playing, um, but wanted to play it safe with a knee injury that I'm just starting to come back from. Um, so I'm like a few weeks out. So they didn't want me to rush it and be playing in summer league. So I'm very disappointed about that because I was looking forward to representing Minnesota. Um, you know, it was almost a dream come true, but 
it's all in God's time. So I'm excited for what's next for me, and I'm excited to watch the Timberwolves um, from my couch. And in the meantime, you trained at Game Face with uh, DeVenfrey Jordan, right, a trainer? Yeah, yeah. You know, I've been with Game Face uh, since they started. And, you know, to see where they've come, partnering with Lifetime and the the people and the, the resources that they've been able to pull together has been been amazing. I mean, it's top-of-the-line training. Um, it's helped me in my performance. Um, and it's also just helped me as a person, too, both on and off the court. So that's all you can really ask from a uh, yeah. training perspective. Now, Thea, you also played at Marquette with Dawson Garcia, who has tra- went mm-hmm. to North Carolina and then transferred back to University of Minnesota. I know you train with him some right now. What, what, what did the Gophers get in, in, in Dawson Garcia? Man, that's another competitor. I mean, he's in the gym all the time. And, you know, he's always he loves the ground, loves getting better. Um, I mean, a lot, a lot of people missed him out last year when he was supposed to be playing for North Carolina. But um, I know he's eager to get back out on the court and compete. And I mean Minnesota, they <laughs> they got a stud right there, and I'm I'm excited to see what he does for the state and the Gophers, and it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to watch. It's gonna sell a lot of tickets. I know that. Can he take you outside? Is that part of his game? Yeah, yeah. I mean he's he's another all around player, six ten, be able to handle the ball, shoot the ball, and I mean he's he's crafty, and like I said, he's a competitor. So you're gonna see that competitive spirit and that fire that he got on the court. I'm sure. Theo, if somebody had told you, you know, seven, eight years ago when you were a freshman at Champlain Park that one day you'd play at Marquette and then Duke and then have a chance to play professionally, uh, what has it been like? I mean, do you ever stop and say, whoa, this has been something? Yeah, you know, I mean, each day is a blessing. You know, there's a, there's a lot that comes with it, a lot of trials and a lot of blessings at the same time. So just being able to roll with the punches and, like I say, keep your head down, keep working. And, yeah, it is it is surreal looking back and seeing where I came from because, again, seventh grade, you would have saw me. I mean, you would have laughed thinking of what I have in the future. But, hmm. you know, that's that's the grind. That's the grit that I have, and that's what's made me who I am. So And, and, you, grew, and you grew into that body, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, again, credit to Game Phase. They, they helped me a lot with that. So being able to fill out and find out who I am has been part of the journey. Theo, great to talk to you. Always good to see you, and I hope I see you again soon. No, likewise, likewise. Thank you for having me. You bet, Theo John. Uh, he said a little knee injury. Those would be with the Timberwolves in the summer league. But if he if he makes it to the NBA, he and McKinley right from the same high school, making it to the NBA. We've already got three kids from Apple Valley, one high school uh, in the NBA. Wouldn't that be cool if Champlain Park put two in there? I don't know. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. You know what I'm saying? That's what I'm saying. All right. Um, plenty more to come on. This edition of Sports to the Max. I saw, I saw. by the way, I saw um, a, a high school basketball showcase the other night, and they were using the shot clock for the first time. It was pretty interesting at Noka Ramsey. We'll visit with Ron Larson about that a little bit later, the uh, retiring coach at Noka Ramsey. He was there kind of helping run the whole thing and, and what its ramifications and what it will do for high school basketball. Take a break. Come back. Sports to the Max or WCCO. Welcome back. Twins take on Baltimore this weekend in a winnable series after – I'm going to tell you this, folks, and I know it's not going to make any sense to you. I know it's counterintuitive to you. I know that it um, it's, it's, it's not what you would expect for me to say, um, but that's why you tune in because, because you want to be one step ahead of it. You want, you want somebody that will go a couple layers deep. Somebody that actually grew up playing sports instead of just talking about sports. 
uh, posted on Twitter that uh, said the Twins need some relief, some help with relief pitching. No, no, no. First you play the sport, then when you can't play it anymore, then you, then you go into broadcasting. It's kind of good for all Twins Nation the way things have transpired with the Cleveland Guardians. And you're saying, hold on now. They lost, they, they, lost, uh, they played eight games, right? They lost five. And in all five, they were ladening rallies by Cleveland. Uh, today, a walk-off home run. They scored two in the eighth and then a walk-off home run uh, by Jimenez in the, in the ninth. And it, well, you, this may, I know this makes no sense to you, right? But, but just follow me on this for a minute. Number one, Cleveland called to attention what the Minnesota Twins have to address. And that is, in this case, relief pitching. So they're going to have to figure out a way, and they've still got plenty of time to do this. This is in September. They, 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 they can figure out how to get a better relief pitching staff there, whether it's from within or trading. They're going to trade for players. Let, let, let's, let's be honest. They're going to trade for at least two arms out of the bullpen, period. Uh, I, I'm telling you, you know I haven't misled you in the past. You know that I usually know things because people tell me things. You, you know the drill on this. At least two arms before the trade deadline, now they know they need so in other words, they've identified their problem. That, that's a healthy thing. Number two, it's made it really, really interesting to follow because now you want to know what Cleveland's doing. And when they play Cleveland, you're going, well, it might be the seventh inning. Twins are up by five, but I'm not. I'm, I'm going to keep it locked in here at 830 WCCO or stay at the ballpark because I've seen how this, this movie plays before. And, and these Guardians, they're not afraid of anything. They could come back and win this game. And that's kind of good for baseball because it's, I, I don't want to call this a rivalry because I don't think there's a great deal of contempt and hate, although it was kind of getting there when Jimenez ran around the, you know, took his victory lap on his home run. But I think, I think this is really good for the baseball fan because it moves you into an intense area, even though you're upset by what the Twins did. It moves you to an area where they've got your full attention. And I think that both those things are good. Just a thought. Just a thought from somebody that knows just a little bit about the game of baseball. Relative to broadcasters, of course, not to people that actually play the game. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours 
And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.